This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. You know, out in Nevada near the silver mines, there's a kind-hearted woman. She's looking so fine, always taking care of her community, bringing folks together as a cup of tea. She's out on the road and all over the web with a big smiling heart. It's about town, Deb. And welcome to this week's episode of City Talk. I'm about town, Deb. Debbie McCarthy, one of your hosts today, because we are at the National Automobile Museum in Reno, Nevada. And I have two amazing hosts, and we have a beautiful guest that's going to be sharing from her heart, and you're going to love it. But first, I'm going to um, thank our sponsors, and then I'm going to introduce my co-host, Crystal Basin Sellers, Home NV, and Family Home Project. They are here on set today. Surratt Law Practice, Wild, R- Wild River Grill. Grill, I did say that, right? Oh, geez. I would think I was, you know what made me think, oh, I, I kind of want to grill cheese. <laughs> I don't know. I said Wild good. River Grill and all of a sudden my brain went to grill cheese. It threw, that's weird. It does know. sound good, but I'm, I'm kind of hungry. But it's also Family Hope Project. It is. Yeah, you said home project. I said home. <laughs> she wants to go home and have a grilled cheese. <laughs> that's I, what I, know. I was thinking. You know, so well, like you know, it it's Family Hope Project. Yes. And Kristen, phoenixmedia.us. And Dee Dee James, theme song, caliber hair and makeup. Um, anyway, wow, it's been a long week. Yeah. So Raquel Riggle, my co-host here with Home Envy. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. And now, spring. Spring is sprung we and hope have, eternal. We don't have the wind today. Oh so my we'll- God, it was really windy yesterday. And then we have another beautiful co-host, Nisa. How are you? Good. Hello. Lisa Butler, and she is the amazing dynamic woman behind the Family Hope Project. That's right. So thank you. Thank you, both of you, for making a difference in our world and our community. And um, I'm going to give the mic to Raquel, because our beautiful guest over here is a close friend of yours. So I really she feel is. like I would love you and be honored if you will do the introduction and start us off in the theme at where our show is, where the sidewalk meets the home. And we're going to be talking. Um, I'm just going to let you share. Okay. This is like a real, it's going to be an emotional, but it's going to be amazing because s- stories are what bring us all together. So it is what brings it's all us yours, together. young lady. <laughs> oh, young. I'm feeling young today. You are young with your beautiful <laughs> dress on and sparkly spring dress. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, our, our guest today beautiful is guest. Star and she is actually a dear friend of mine. Her son and my son are best friends mm. and they have been for years. But Star, um, she's used a, a lot of our resources in our community because of some of the things that she's kind of gone through in her her past, and and she's come out on the other side. And I thought it would be just an amazing time to tell her story and get that out there, and you know, kind of let Reno know as and the world know really what is is out there and what other people go through and how they come out on the other side because it's so important to hear from the beginning through it. And then getting out of it and, and how that looks. So welcome to Star. Thank you. Thank you for Thank having me. Yeah, well, we're, no, we're honored to have you. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm Thanks. honored to be sitting across from you. 
And I cannot wait to hear your story and how you have come on out on the other side. Like all of, if you're listening out there, I guarantee you somebody out there has had, is going to want to hear your words today. So thank you. Definitely. Yeah. So I guess, you know, with Family Hope Project, we do a lot of stuff in the community, like resources and connecting people and things like that. So what we wanted to share, Nisa and I wanted to share today in our message is that, you know, we work with people like the Domestic Violence Resource Center that Star went to when she was getting out of her um, situation. And we'll let you let you kind of tell your story, you know, how that looks for you. Um, and then we'll kind of, you know, plug in how we, how we help and what we can do going forward. Definitely. Shall I begin? Yes. We'd love you to begin. <laughs> okay. So, um, I was in my past, uh, abuser relationship, I would say for 11 years. Um, it was an on and off took me 10 years. I mean, uh, 10 times to finally leave him. And normally when you read about the cycles of abusive relationships, you're seeing it three times, four times, five times. Um, it all hits home when you realize you leave, you go back thinking he's going to change or you have a connection with the family. We have kids together or we had kids together. So I thought I was trying to keep a family together. I look at my parents as, um, I, I put them on a high pedestal because I've been married for over 44 years. Yeah. So that's did something I do that. that, you know, it's something that I had always wanted. And the reality was it wasn't going to happen. I knew I was going to leave him. I just didn't know how I was going to get out of the relationship. It was something that I'd had friends, family, uh, fighting for me to get out of the relationship. But ultimately it was going to be up to me to leave the relationship feeling secure. I, I mean, I had all resources, assets taken away. I think there's always that question that people come up to me and say, well, why don't you just, why don't you just leave them? Well, right. Right. And yeah. And I think you, Oh yeah. And I think you even at one point had told me like, I don't even understand how I got into this situation because I was born in a family that didn't have trauma or crisis and, and I have a great upbringing and I'm not a weak person. I always had confidence. I mean, you played softball mm -hmm. your whole life. Yeah, wow. definitely. So being a competitive, I would say person, woman, um, a strong competitive woman. Yes. I, <laughs> and don't get me wrong. Like I think in my past I was, I thought I was this bad girl that <laughs> could just like walk all over men and you just thought you're a little badass. <laughs> yeah, it, but, um, it just, it started off um, slowly. No, actually it didn't start off slowly. If I could think back, um, I think I knew in like two weeks the kind of person he was. Okay, well, let's we'll leave take right there. a quick break mm -hmm. because we come back, we're going to continue the story Yes. and um, stay tuned. It's City Talk with About Town Deb. We'll be right back and continue the story. Now more than ever, family matters, and Surratt Law Practice has your family in mind. Kimberly Surratt and her team have been helping maintain healthy families through their holistic approach to adoption and surrogacy, child custody, estate planning, and more for over 13 years. Your family law concerns are in caring hands with Surratt Law. Schedule your private consultation with a compassionate Surratt Law Practice team member today by calling 775-636-8200 or visiting LawyersForFamilies.com. Surratt Law, where family matters. Thank you. 
She's out on the road and all over the web with a big smiling heart. It's about town, Deb. My town, your town, or any town, this is About Town Deb presents City Talk. Now back to the show. And welcome back to City Talk. I'm About Town Deb at the National Automobile Museum. And um, we are opening up today with Star. And um, we'd love you to go back and and continue the conversation. So when we left off, you said in in the first two weeks, you you knew. So yeah, definitely the first two weeks, um, there was definitely that red flag, the sign where... So what was the red flag? So I had my cell phone. I um, was at his place. I had gotten a, received a text message from a prior ex-boyfriend <laughs> that was worried about the relationship. Mm-hmm. And he would said, you know, there was signs and warnings, you know, just be careful with him. Interesting. He saw the text, grabbed my phone, <laughs> took it from me and slammed it on my, threw it at my hand. So hand instantly bruised up and I was like, oh, there's nothing clearly to worry about. But, and I was making excuses. Um, I, he apologized, which that's always something that happened where it was always apologize. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Or let's cuddle and something ridiculous where, I mean, to be honest, stay away from me. I don't want you to touch me. I'm upset. Right. Um, so first two weeks, yes, I can definitely say that that was the initial red flag. Then there was his friend. Be careful with him. The past relationship, I heard a lot of things. Um, oh, and even his own friend. His own friend. Oh, yes. so his own friend was telling you to be careful. Yes. I had hmm. went to, so this was the sign. Yes. <laughs> this was the ma- This was the <laughs> major sign. We were playing softball together. This is how we met. So we were playing softball together. We were going to go to a Sacramento softball tournament. Um, he, I don't remember what initiated the argument, but, um, we were supposed to travel together. Uh, he got upset. I ended up taking off to the softball tournament. When I went to the softball tournament, his best friend, whether I want to say it's his best friend or not, I don't know, but, um, he had warned me. He's like, Hey, you know what? Be careful with him. Um, I'm just telling you the past relationship was the same thing. You know, there was lots of physical stuff, verbal. He treated her badly and poorly in public. Um, so that was definitely a big sign. If he's your friend, why would he be saying these things about you? Right, right. Um, so there's always these red flags and signs I, I completely ignored. I, I want to say I listened to them. I knew it was wrong in my mind. I was thinking, oh, you know what? Maybe he just needs help. I can change him. Right. Uh, maybe he wasn't with the right person. And guess what? It's excuse. It's excuse. It's excuse the whole time. Um, and you were a young mom too at that time. Yeah. So I had Ethan. He was two. That was the other sign. I think that kids are a big um, indicator indicator of good or bad. They don't oh, see yeah. like the gray areas in between kids will just see good or evil. Mm-hmm. And Ethan was scared of him. He didn't want to be around him. That was the biggest sign. So clearly now as I'm out of this relationship, my kids have always come first. Um, it's oh, been 100%. hard. It's been hard for me to even want to get into a relationship just because I worry about my kids and whether the person's going to be good enough for them. I don't want them to have to go through what my oldest went through because he, for a long time, for 10, 11 years that I was with my ex, always felt like the the ugly stepchild. Right. And it's heartbreaking for me. I think that's where I've had these conversations with you, Raquel, where Mm -hmm. it's, 
I felt like I have failed him. I failed my kids. I felt like the bad mom. I put a lot of blame on myself because of the relationship that I You definitely I had, carried so. a lot of blame and, you, and just guilt. And you shouldn't have. I mean, it wasn't yeah. you. It was it was a product of the abuse. Yeah. So, and then there's definitely the, the voices that I would hear from friends and family, just leave, just leave. I'd I don't, I don't know what kept me going back to him, but that was probably the manipulation from him. Oh, it certainly was. Uh, I remember times where you would go just completely silent for, yeah. for what, like a month, maybe two. And you, yeah. when you would pop back up, you would say, well, I just thought if I was quiet, it would keep him in a good place. Or if yep. I didn't communicate with people, he would not freak out or, you know, things would be good and he would be good. Yep. And which meant like he wasn't out at the casino gambling till three or four in the morning and yep. coming home pissed off because he spent every nickel that he had. Definitely. And it was, which became your problem. How? I'm not sure. I don't know, but I hated it every time there was a, so I'll give you an example. Birthdays. Oh, let's go out for your birthday, Starla. Let's go have some fun, go gamble. Deep down, so I'm like, I hate it. I hate gambling. I don't gamble. Like, I mean, I may do like a side bet here and there for $5. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, that's enough. And that's only like, if we're that's seeing somebody on the street, yeah. like, I think they're going to trip. <laughs> oh no, they're not going to trip. <laughs> so I can't, I can't stand gambling. Um, it just gives me, it takes me back like PTSD where I felt because he lost money, it was my fault. He would say, oh, we're losing because you're standing behind me and you're watching me. <laughs> oh, and I, geez. okay, so let me go to the restroom. I'll pretend that I'm going to the restroom, sit in there and do absolutely nothing for about an hour, two hours, and then just watch the bank account just slowly be uh, money being deducted out of the account, like increments of 200, 300, 400. And it just kept going on and on. So, And um, you are always so like aware of that because you, you wanted to buy a house and you, you know, you were working on like credit things mm -hmm. for him and to be able to get a house because he was the only one working and mm -hmm. it really wouldn't allow you to work. Definitely. And I remember you'd have to go grocery shopping at like oh, ridiculous God. hours. So Yeah. So when I was working, I think I worked at Amazon for maybe a year or two years, maybe in between Robinson, my youngest, who was eight. So I worked the graveyard shift was I want to say six to four thirty in the morning and so it wouldn't be an inconvenience to him after I got off work I'd go straight shopping four thirty in the morning or uh, it'd have to be before my oldest son had to go to school that way he wouldn't be bothered from his sleep so I was lack of sleep maybe two hours of sleep a day broken up with my oldest son and then my 11 year old who was maybe two or three or four at the time, somewhere around that age. But so waking up from naps and then having to redo it every day just so that he wouldn't have to go grocery shopping. It's not like it was ever talked about, but they're just things that I tried to avoid to make life easier for him and then for myself and my kids. So maybe two, two and a half hours of sleep when I was working. Yeah, I remember, and you would even have my kids over. <laughs> I'm like, and you're making salsa? Yeah. Oh, yeah, her kids would come over just for the salsa. <laughs> they totally did. Like, they, do you have any more salsa and chips? I know, I'm still thinking about that salsa. Yeah. Hey, so when are you making that again? I think you have a container still. I, <laughs> I, I, I You see me turning red? I Maybe I, I do. I'm probably do. asking for it back. I know. You could it's, have, it's you could have just texted me. Like you didn't plastic. have to turn radio, I promise. <laughs> I would have brought it back. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, but my kids, I mean, throughout it all, though, my kids still came over and they just, to this day, they talk about you very highly. They're like, oh, I just love Starla, blah, blah, blah. And I remember we would take Ethan and, you know, John and I knew what was going on behind yeah. the scenes just because of some of the things that we witnessed. And um, we would take Ethan whenever we could because we knew, yeah. you know, that would just take some of that burden off of you. And it gave him a place where he would feel like he Safe. could just... Yeah, safe and whatever he wanted to be as a kid. And, you know, him and Logan, they really still have a great bond. I they mean, do. sometimes they fight, but, you yeah. know, they're 14 yeah. year old boys. <laughs> they're boys. They fight and then they make up. It's the funniest thing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Girls are different, but oh, yeah, I've, they are. I've come to realize that boys, they can fight. And then next thing you know, a couple of days later, they're okay. They're yeah. bros again. Oh, totally. Totally. I know. <laughs> just, just saw him at the park this weekend <laughs> yeah you definitely you and john have helped um ethan out a lot with just getting him out of maybe feeling trapped and letting him be open and be himself as soon as i left um my ex he is a whole different kid a whole different he has child. a personality um that i guess that'll take me into the subject of being able to put my kids into sports, things that I've always wanted to do. I mean, he's right. 13, four, how old is he then? No, he's 15. Huh. So he's 15. <laughs> so he just started wrestling. Like I want to say right after I had left him, he's like, Hey mom, I want to try out for wrestling. I was like, cool. Go yeah. for it. I know nothing about it, but go for it. <laughs> I can teach you anything about balls, but as far as, like, as far as wrestling, no, I know nothing. And throw him the towel, that's about it. Yeah, so exactly. once he said that, I was like, all right, this is awesome. He's starting to come out. He's met a lot of new friends from doing wrestling, doing the, um, doing activities. We did, we do CrossFit together and work out. So we have this really special, special bond where he's, he really is a good kid. He seen me go through a lot. He saw a lot from the get go. Mm -hmm. And he has been my number one ride or die, um, he's, he's, I call him the man of the house and he obviously he takes that to heart. He wants to be he the man of the house. So he had, uh, I'd have to say he's seen it all. He treats now his girlfriend very well. And I tell him, you know, like, it's so weird to hear I, that. Yeah, I know. It's so weird. Yeah. Um, he's a good kid. I, I thought that maybe it would continue a cycle, but he's that person that's, Hey, you know what? This happened to my mom. I want to treat the girl right or whoever he's with and i've always installed that in him no matter what listen to the girl talk to their feelings you shouldn't it should never resort to physical physical raising your hand degrading a person i mean his first girlfriend um he was very heartbroken but i said hey did you um treat her right is was did you don't backlash don't talk behind her back don't say anything negative as right. long as you are you did by right then you have nothing to worry about and you guys can go your separate ways but now you always want to respect your right respect these females period well you know and i guess when we come back from break we should talk a little bit about what that looked like for the kids like mm -hmm. did they have to go through counseling you know how did they how did they adjust to all of this and yeah. maybe you could share if you're comfortable with like one of the stories. So, you know, I know there's a lot of women out there that face these things and it's all on the forefront now with this Johnny Depp and Amber Heard thing. Um, you know, we're seeing it on both sides yeah. and, um, it, I think it would be good to talk about those things. Definitely. Wow. Boy, I'm like, <laughs> I am speechless because it, 
I can say it's so it's so important that you're sharing the story in life. So if you're listening out there, please take heart to this and know that you're not alone. And it's it's happened to many of us. And I I have um, a good friend who has she went through the same thing. So when I hear you talk, I I can totally picture her going through that. So thank you. And we're gonna take a quick break and be right back. Have some fun with the About Town Deb. My town, your town, or any town, this is About Town Deb presents City Talk. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to City Talk. We are chatting away and sharing our hearts. And Star, you are such a brave woman. And Thank we're you. so grateful you're here. And I'm going to turn the mic over to um, Tanisa because during break, you were asking her a question about what you'd like her to share more about. So I'll let you take it over. Okay. Well, just like I had kind of a couple questions. Well, I was just sharing. um, I had a dear friend that I grew up with through childhood. And uh, when we were in our early twenties, that's when I had my first child. And I knew she was in a relationship like this, where there was a lot of um, signs and she just told straight up told me, but um, I remember just uh, the the guy hated me because I was very strong in her life and always encouraged her. And um, so I did kind of notice that he would kind of cut me down when I com- came over, but was, life was just easier for her when she wasn't, when I wasn't around. Um, and so I, like you said, people would ask you like, well, why don't you just leave? And I, I made the mistake of doing that to her. Like, Hey, I have a house for you. I have a room. Like I, I clean this out for you. Like where, and then she just wouldn't answer my calls anymore, you know, for months, she missed the birth of my first child. And, um, and I, I looking at it now and understanding and working with, with women, Mm -hmm. um, I realized like I did make it hard for her. So I just wanted to ask you, like, um, I've shared, I have three daughters and I learned so much from that, um, situation because I would rather, I would rather not be cut off. And I sometimes look at the, um, I look at my kids and it's like, of course I know way more than they know about whatever, what's going to happen in their lives or, um, all these risks that they could take. But, um, it's like how God, like what, as a mother, like what as a family member, somebody close, like what Raquel just said, you would go missing for two months or not. And like, how can I, how can we ever just, if we have friends that we know they're going through something like this, like, how can we like, don't cut us off? Like, what do we do? What what do we conform to? Yeah. I can guarantee you your friend, um, she didn't mean to cut you off period. I, um, it was the same thing with my family member that you do know. I didn't have contact with her for five years and she was my one best friend. You weren't a family member. It was just, I mean, I had my phone taken away. So Uh sometimes not looking or knowing the situation that she was in, I had my phone taken away. I went through maybe like three or four phones that he had broken and it broke my heart every day to not be able to talk to the family members. So Mm -hmm. I would, I would definitely say I can't speak for her and don't know her situation, but I can guarantee you she missed you and she appreciated everything that you do. Any message or any voicemail um, that, or if I had the chance to talk to family members, I always took that in and thought they weren't dismissed. She didn't completely block you out. You're still there in her heart. And she knows that you meant by right by it. Um, it's just a tough situation of being watched or being monitored with your phones. Um, 
I mean, I didn't even have social media for like mm-hmm. 10 years. I was no. like, so out of loop. I was like, so is there still MySpace? Like, I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know I don't know. I'm All right, guys. Yeah. Hi, guys. <laughs> ready to update my profile. I, <laughs> yeah. I think everything that you did was right. Um, I don't think that she wasn't intentionally trying to hurt you. It was just what was best for her and her family at the time. I can guarantee you. I don't know if you, what the relationship is now. Yeah, but. she's actually moved on. We're still like, we're. Yeah friends again yeah for yeah. sure and this was like a very close like childhood family relationship but yeah and she explained yeah. stuff like that but I guess what I'm saying is like um you would ne- just like you described yourself mm-hmm. like she was the one that was like running these relationships before she got into this yeah. so it's like what puts you really like it's not what puts you at risk but it's like how do we how do how do we be the friend that you're allowed to have like contact or with? like you, you know? said yeah. like we're not immune to it so how do we kind of insulate our daughters yeah or is there even an answer that you have yeah. <laughs> or I, what should they look for? Um, or what should we look for? And I know this for. sounds cliche, but I'm always like, look at the red flags, look at the signs. Mm-hmm. Um, if anybody, a man should never have to, and, and a woman either, it's vice versa. Um, put downs, making somebody feel embarrassed. Sometimes I look at um, when guys, and there's, don't get me wrong, there's always some jealousy with relationships, but when it starts off with jealousy and joking around the beginning, sometimes I look at those little signs Mm -hmm. now because that can be an indicator of what could blow up and be bigger. So, um, I remember when I first met you and you were literally just around the corner from where you lived Mm -hmm. and we talked for maybe three minutes if tops and he Mm -hmm. came around the corner and he was like, where are you at? What are you doing? And I, he's like, Oh, I was just, I was just checking to make sure she didn't get abducted. And I was thinking to myself, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, and at the same time, the person that our neighbor, he, I mean, I was being accused of cheating with mm-hmm. him and he yeah. was yeah. an elderly yep. man. Yes. An elderly man. Yes. Yes. Like disabled. Like Ron Jeremy looking. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> kid you not. I swear. <laughs> well, what's wrong I mean, with that? <laughs> He said no. all animals. No. So was he no. cute? <laughs> Ron Jeremy, like now. I know who. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I think Raquel, I lost here. I know exactly <laughs> what he looks like. God, too. now yeah, I was the sweetest guy before. ever. But yeah, oh no. god, okay. wasn't cheating. No, <laughs> hard no. So I mean, <laughs> I would no. just say having for my daughter. Um, I always tell her that she should be treated like the princess that she is. Um, no, if any boy man ever tries to downgrade her i mean i got told like the meanest things in the world like i mean don't be wrong i know i have a big nose but i would be to call me like crazy little kid names about my nose about my appearance my body i was insecure i was when you're told, beautiful i was told i was never going to get with anybody because i had kids nobody's going to want to be with me so and that it, he's are, the best you're ever going to get yeah pretty much oh, and yeah. I, that's still a, i mean that's still some of my biggest insecurities and what I struggle with. But um, knowing, I just tell my my daughter, I remind her all the time that she's beautiful. Maybe I didn't hear that enough as a kid either. I don't know. I know my parents loved me and thought I was beautiful, but um, I vocally tell my daughter that I'm like, how are you so beautiful? You're yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, you're strong. Don't let any man tell you you're ugly because guess what? Everyone has a preference. Everyone has a taste. Just know deep down inside that you have a heart. You're a fighter. She reminds me a lot of Avery where she's just like this pit bull and like hungry to go, like to go, go after whatever she, she wants. Oh yeah. I love that. Um, I think, um, for her, I'm just always reassuring her that she is good enough and she is beautiful if 
God forbid something happened terribly like to as an appearance because that can happen. Um, she's still beautiful no matter what. Um, and she's strong, but I, I don't degrading women, degrading men. Um, those are clear signs of, you know, a, move on. Yeah. You, you can find better. Yeah. Um, once somebody is, or men trying to do things that are trying to make you jealous is clearly something that is a, a huge red flag. So what was the breaking factor? What, what finally got you to leave? Ugh. So sorry. And I, we've had this conversation where it's this kind of bringing back memory lane. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't really talked about this stuff in and only a long if you're time. Comfortable. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, I want to say it was, um, so last year I gave a testimony and, um, which I'm so proud of you for. It was very out of my comfort zone, but, um, so is this, so yeah, and it definitely is. Yeah. I was like, why not? <laughs> um, I, so I spoke, um, uh, for, in order for SBC or SB 144, I think it was, or 177, 177, Senate bill 177. And, um, it was to promote, um, domestic violence resource center and to give out, you know, for them to have more resources because they lack, and they've had to turn plenty of women away. And I think about myself and being turned away. So, um, skipping forward from that, um, what I spoke about was, probably one of the last situations that happened that really, um, got to me. And it was my kids being old enough to see clearly very physical stuff. Um, so the last encounter and this is where I went and, and just, I think that's about the time that I got the call, like I'm ready to move and I dropped everything and helped you. Yeah. So this is probably going to be pretty detailed, but, um, I, we got in an argument. He didn't like the fact that we were, I was trying to set up uh, a hike with the kids to go up towards, um, it's up by Donner somewhere. So I didn't know I've never been there. So I was just going off a limb. So I ended up trying to, we drove out there. It was too icy for the kids. He was upset. He was already drinking. We, Went back home. He was upset. I don't know how it escalated, but all in all, he slammed my head into a corner of a wall where I got this Flintstone knot on my forehead. Um, Kid seen it. He pulled out a knife that was very intimidating. Um, Was like doing the motions of trying to stab me, grabbed a pen like he was going to stab me with a pen. Um basically barricading me inside her own home. Um, and to make things better. I mean, my daughter screamed, she was like, no, stop, stop it, stop it, please stop. And, um, seeing her face, her cry, feeling like she couldn't help and her dad raging. And I would, I would tell my kids to go run in the room whenever there's an argument or I could sense a phone call. Um, before he was coming home from work, I could sense it in his voice, whether he was drunk, whether he was upset. I tell him, why don't you guys go ahead and go to your room and hide out there for a little bit, just in case things get ugly. Mm -hmm. So my daughter was that main factor of making me or trying to stick up for me, the knot, the knife, that, that was it. That was pretty much it for me. We're seeing their faces. Okay. Well, we're going to take a break. That was... I think it's time for a little break. We come back, we'll, we'll finish the story and it'll be our last segment. So I would love you, you know, you all to chime in. So let somebody know if they're going through this, who they can contact. 
again. So we're going to take a break. It's about time to have a city talk. Be right back. Ready to help from her toes to her head. Just give her a shout. Call about town, Deb. My town, your town, or any town. This is about town. Deb presents city talk. Now back to the show. And welcome back to City Talk. We're having a pretty deep conversation, but so important. And again, Star, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I also want to thank my beautiful co-host here, because without your your guys' heart and your soul and being so giving and, you know, with your nonprofit, you are making a difference. And I think people need to support women and men who are taking that step and to hear these tough stories and thank you. I know it's tough and we appreciate you for sharing. And if you're listening out there, we're going to continue the conversation. We're going to give you some of the tools and we'd love you to finish your story with how you got to where you are now. So I'm going to well, back to you, Star. Nope. Back, to you. <laughs> <laughs> right. back to you. So, um, like I said previously, I, it took me 10 times to actually finally leave him. Um, so I give all the credit to a friend that um, introduced me to the Domestic Violence Resource Center. Um, I knew nothing about it. So the person was working at our apartment complex, was noticing things need to be fixed all the time. There was doors that were broken, handles, holes in walls. Um, this was way out of the ordinary, but makeup brushes. I was trying to get ready for work one day. There was makeup brushes. He got upset, was trying to keep me from work, threw my makeup brushes in the toilet, peed on them, and then said, oh, have fun going to work now. Well, guess what? You try to flush them down the toilet. Toilet's clogged. Oh, so the maintenance yeah. man came in. He was gone at work. Um, he didn't want to suggest it, like overstepping my toes. So he told the manager, which was one of my good friends as well, so she's the one that actually came and told me, hey, he knows somebody that can help you. Um, so he introduced me to um, one of uh, one of the women that run the Domestic Violence Resource Center. So once I got in contact with her, everything was kind of history where I didn't realize they help you get these protection orders. They help you fill the paperwork that you need to fill out that I clearly knew nothing about. It's not like we do these things on an everyday basis. Let me fill out this paperwork mm-hmm. for this. What do I need? What I put down? So I had um, an advocate that helped me fill out my paperwork um, so I can get the protection order on through, send it over to the sheriff, all that necessary. But before that, you kind of took a little hiatus after like that last traumatizing event, you yeah. took like a kind of a lull in time before this happened, right? Yeah. So before I even, um, so actually this is kind of like during me getting in contact with the, with the advocates and everything over at the domestic violence resource center. So before I ended up, I had over our last argument, I ended up kind of mellowing out saying, I'm sorry, you know, um, I've given out the apologies for his actions. It always kind of had to be that way in order for us to move on and things to be peace kind in of the most, house. Yeah. Be peaceful. My kids live comfortably and not argue for like two weeks straight. Um, so within that time, knowing when I knew they were going to serve him, I kind of 
ask the sheriff when's the time frame so that I know I need to get out of the place. I ended up getting a hotel. I had actually a really good manager at work that sent me up and put me as a non-register at a hotel. So women can do those things so they can't be found. Mm -hmm. So they can register at a hotel. If they need somewhere to stay, they can register as a non-register. I didn't know that. Yeah. So nobody can call you. Nobody can get a hold of you. Um, It's like you're not even existent in the system. And one of the other interesting things is if you're in a lease at some place, you can break that now with domestic violence. If you are- um, victim of domestic violence, you can break your lease without a lease break. And I was that. one of those people that was able to break the lease. Yes. So once that all happened, um, I got a hotel for two nights with uh, my kids, knowing they were going to serve him. Uh, they ended up serving him. He had to vacate or leave, he had to leave. And um, which I he was, still continued to pull things, but the sheriff was there. Yeah, the sheriff was there. Um, he was. Uh, it was supposed to be so that my kids and I stay there. He has to leave. But was I safe? Did I feel safe? Probably not. <laughs> no. So I, I still ended up staying with a friend. I never wanted to go home. Um, my kid, my parents took my kids for two weeks because it was during the summer. Mm-hmm. So they took them for two weeks. They helped um, take care of them while I got things in order and squared up with the domestic violence resource center, which they gave me shelter so that I wouldn't have to worry. Um, it is um, definitely a secret where they're not allowed to give a location on where you're staying so that you're protected as a client and feel safe. Um, they gave me numerous resources. I mean, they helped out with Christmas. They helped out. Um, they always gave Valentine's gifts for the kids. So they housed your dog. They, they actually yeah. have a house for your dog. Yes. Yeah, so they have a little housing center for pets so that they don't have to go and rehome them and the family pets. Because a lot of women will not leave because yeah. of their pets. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. And men. I'm, I mean, yeah. 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 Yeah, so they they housed my my dog, um, fed him, gave him his shots. He always went to the vet. So there was all these resources that they, that were available to me. Had I known about these, maybe the first, second, or third time, I can guarantee I would have left. I mean, they helped out tremendously, um, and then with them getting more funds to be able to fund the domestic violence resource center that just happened with SB 177. Um, that gives more women that were in my situation and clearly other women out there, men out there to get the help and get shelter, whether they need an overnight, sometimes they do help out with like hotels, like I said. Um, so clearly with, with them, they've, what else did they have, have they given me? Well, a lot of counseling. I mean, like, they did counseling yeah, for I you. I did get counseling, mm-hmm. yeah. Because so, you were really in a, in a place of, like, trauma. I remember just you being, like, almost PTSD. like a zombie. Yeah, and, like, just and, a zombie. And I was. I was, yeah. in, I was in denial. I didn't realize that I had PTSD until I went and saw therapy. You weren't therapy. sleeping? Yeah, I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't At all. eating. Um, you were it, just going through the motions. Like, you were alive, it, but you were just a, a robot. Yeah, it was. I definitely mm-hmm. felt like a zombie just. I was in a really bad place, I say for a year, but I did promise myself I could have um, used an outlet for like alcohol or drugs. And you did. And I clearly was like, nope, I'm going to feel this hurt. I need yeah. to feel this yep. pain. Mm-hmm. Um, like the only way out is through. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I clearly oh, made powerful. myself feel it because yeah. when I did leave yep. in the previous times, it was 
I would drink. Yep. And yes. I would get so drunk to the point where I'd feel sorry for myself and yeah. like, okay, am I doing the right things? Yes. Maybe he is the right person for yeah. me. Maybe <laughs> I'm not good enough. So I so clearly would go back. Go back. Yeah. yeah. So I went yeah. back. So I made myself feel the pain, feel the hurt, but then I kept myself busy with therapy. Um, hiking. It's, you did a lot of hiking. I did a lot of hiking and a lot of soul searching. Um, soul probably. searching. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, I was like that person, like I said, that would jump from relationship to relationship and feeling like I needed some type of love or, uh, or feeling to, uh, but for the void. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And clearly that wasn't the right path for me, me seeking, um, feeling the hurt, finding myself, self-love. Those were all the things that I was missing. Like, I had a lot of insecurity issues. Yeah. So, yeah. And so you said a, a couple minutes mm-hmm. ago, like if you would have known about these um, resources or that if you would have had this, like essentially hope that it could get better earlier, you would have left earlier. Yes. So um, I think it's like so important that people know like there's, there are people out there, there's resources, there's friends, family, there's our community can be a bright place, like in the midst of all this darkness. And so I just want to share really quick, if I have a second, Um, we were just now, um, family hope project was just at um, the Reno punk rock flea market was so fun. (laughs) And it just feels so good to get back out there with people. But that high energy is just like, ah, it's so good. And I just so impressed by like our community and the resiliency we have, the passion we have. But I met um, a lady who actually didn't even come to my booth. I just saw her at the bounce house. And she was saying, um, for some reason, she just felt she should share like, um, she's not from here. She's from LA, but um, her husband, she was in an abusive relationship too. And her husband moved them here to Reno um, to get her away from like friends and family. And now she's going through this divorce and navigating it all on her own. Um, he's still, of course, being like mentally abusive and they have a child. And so I was just so excited to come back to the booth and get her my brochure right away. Like text me, call me. You can, yeah. you can. And that's the thing about family hope project. It's not just eight to five, like the business hour. We always say this, like crisis doesn't stay in business hours. In fact, like your look at your sleep schedule. Look mm-hmm. at like after work is when that was so heightened in your house. And mm-hmm. so, um, this lady can text me anytime and on the weekends and after hours and whatever. And so, um, I'll be walking her through that navigating. And it's like, if I don't have every resource, then it's, I'm going to get her to the right the, na- people, the right. face and the name of the person. Like you said, Sylvia at yeah. domestic um, violence resource center. And so we also have safe embrace here in Reno as well. And um, just having that, like, if you would have known it's going to get better, like if you would have been sure it's going to be okay, then you would have drifted toward making an Those effort steps. to yeah. making it yeah. be okay. So. Yeah it's going to be okay. And I think that's amazing that you do the 24 hour because sometimes a lot of these situations happen after hours. Every all hours, the time. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a 24 hour city. There's gambling, yes. there's drinking, yes. there's drugs. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So those resources of having it 24 hours yeah. it will make the huge difference. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So how, how can they get in touch with family hope project? Oh, you can find us on Facebook. Now we have a Twitter, Family Hope Project NV. Um, that's our handle. Um, Facebook is fa- uh, Family Hope Project NV. You can text us at 404-0298 or email us at familyhopeprojectnv at gmail.com. And it's area code 775. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the 775. 704-0298. Okay, you know what? I think it's that time already. It's time to say goodbye. That went so fast. I so, did. So again, Star, <laughs> thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. you. Me. Thank you.
it means so much to us. (laughs) You will be back and you can share some more stories and we can help make a difference. And the positive things now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's all, there's hope, you know, there is always hope. That's why I'm wearing the yellow today. I feel very hopeful. It's my favorite color because it makes me feel hopeful. Like it's, just felt it's bright. Like, yeah. Brighter days are coming. When Star said she was coming, I was like, I'm going to dress up for this. Aww. (laughs) And I look like a boy. (laughs) (laughs) Today's my dress down day. Okay. You you always look cute. (laughs) Okay. With that said, we have to say goodbye. I don't want to say goodbye, but remember, together we are one heart, and we'll see you next week.